Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we are going to be talking about how to deal with pain. Now, the Stoic school, as well as the Buddhist schools of thought, have different viewpoints on how to deal with pain. But one of the reasons why I bring this episode up is because a lot of us are affected with chronic pain, whether that is physical pain or sometimes it could be emotional pain. But the, the fact of life is that we all experience pain. It's something that we all have in common. And how we deal with it often makes the difference in the quality of our experience in our lives. So I bring this specific episode because this has actually been a point of focus for me over the last month and a half where I've actually been dealing with some chronic pain that I had since I was a kid, since I was maybe like 11, where I basically had back pain almost all my life. And I had gone to the doctor and gotten back an MRI where it showed that I had a herniated disc. So this was causing more pain and whatnot. It started to make me interested in this idea of pain and how to deal with it in different ways. And the way that I've been dealing with it is actually doing some exercises from this book called Pain Free by Pete Agoscu. And it completely began to transform the way that I looked at my own pain, the way that I looked at not just my physical pain, but my emotional pain. And it had a profound effect on my entire philosophy regarding pain and what to do about it. In this episode, we're going to be going through some different viewpoints, some from the Stoic school of thought, some from the Buddhist school of thought, and then some from this book that I've been reading, Pain-Free. Because I would say that at least my viewpoint on pain is not completely aligned with the Stoic viewpoint, nor so much the Zen viewpoint, but the Zen Stoic viewpoint, <laughs> which is something that I developed by both looking at those two schools of thought, taking from them some inspiration of what I thought was correct in them, but also bringing in some of this modern messaging. And the reason being is because this particular book has actually made such a profound impact on my back pain. I remember the day that I went and got it checked out or the day that I spoke to the neurosurgeon who basically interpreted the MRI for me and let me know what was going on and everything. That day, the pain was probably at about a 7 out of 10. 6 or 7 out of 10, I would say. And it, I was being pretty careful up until that point. Like I had stopped lifting heavy and whatnot, and I was taking it easy in jiu-jitsu. But the pain was still pretty, it was pretty apparent. Compared to when I was super active with the weightlifting and jiu-jitsu, it was like a 8 or a 9 a lot of the time. It's a good thing I got it checked out. But the point is, that was about, from the time of this recording, that level 7, 6, 7 pain. And I say 6, 7 because if I wasn't doing anything, it was like a 6. But as soon as I started to move, I, I would definitely have it feel like it was ramping up. So the day that I had got it checked out was probably about 5 weeks ago. And today, for the last, I would say, 5 to 6 days in a row, my pain has been at a 1, 2 at the very most. And that's because of the exercises that I've been doing in this particular book, Pain-Free. So I took some of the, the philosophies of Stoicism, applied them to my situation, took some Zen principles, also brought them into the situation, and have been putting this methodology into practice, the Agassi method. And it was actually brought to my attention because I was training jiu-jitsu one night while I had this injury, I was just doing technique. I wasn't doing anything crazy. And this really well-respected black belt that I was training with, 
he, when he learned about my pain, he told me about this book. Now, this is a book that I actually knew about. I've gotten this book as a gift for people in the past. So I knew it existed, but it was brought back to my attention when I was training with this guy who I have a lot of respect for. And the way that he basically told the story, he's like, yeah, so I was training for the judo Olympic trials just to, you know, give you some indication of the level of, of training that this guy does. And he's like, I was having to ice my back every single day and was trying all kinds of PT because it was hurting. Like I was in a lot of pain. It was hard to move after every practice. And one of the other athletes there recommended the book to him and gave it to him. And within two weeks, he was back on the mats training six days a week. So with that type of testimonial, I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> I'll, I'll order the book. So I ordered the book, started working it. And yeah, after about you know a few weeks of doing it, my pain went from six, seven down to the one, two range. So it's, it's working really well. And that's why I put a lot of credibility into this book and add this beyond just some of the Zen and Stoic understandings of pain. But anyway, I'll get into it. So we'll first go into kind of the Buddhist view of pain. One, there, there was one quote that I saw in a blog article that I was reading about the way that the Buddhists would deal with pain. And I thought was really interesting. And it says the Buddha compares being afflicted with bodily pain to being struck by an arrow, adding mental pain, aversion, displeasure, depression, or self-pity to physical pain is like being hit by a second arrow. The wise person stops with the first arrow. Bhikkhu Bodhi. So this is an interesting quote because at least in my experience, and I think we all do this to some degree, but I know I, I for sure did it. When I first got the news of this particular back pain or the back injury, when I got the diagnosis, I remember I definitely shot myself with the second arrow <laughs> because I definitely felt bad for myself. I felt upset. I thought, like, this really sucks. At the same time, I was grateful that I didn't need surgery or anything like that, so that really helped. But the point is, for a period of time mentally, I was making it worse. And this is where a lot of the Buddhist and Stoic philosophies come together and, and really align because Stoicism also views it as the same thing. Now, this next quote was also from the same article about the Buddha's view on pain by Brian Thompson. And basically, w one thing that he had written in the article that I thought was really interesting and very much aligned with my experience is that your pain is a teacher. Resist it no more. Allow it to be the very catalyst that deepens your personal insight and wisdom. Let your pain become the focus of your meditation. And so that I did just that. Right After I had my little pity party and my moment of feeling bad for myself, I started to meditate on the pain and started to really do my best to understand what the actual problem is. And I would say from a mental, emotional point of view, what I discovered in meditating on my pain is that the problem was not the injury. The problem was not the chronic back pain. To me, the problem that I discovered through meditating upon it was the problem was a lack of self-care, a lack of trust in myself, and a lack of self-love. The reason why I say that is because a lot of my life, when I was a kid, I would train through the pain. And I would train through the pain because I wanted to, but then eventually the pain started getting more and more excessive. And then I started to ask to stop because of the pain, not try to train through it. But I remember when I was wrestling in high school, my coach would always tell us to train through the pain. and He would romanticize this idea of training through what hurt. And as I was doing that, as I was carrying on that mentality, reinvigorated or reinforced the bad mentality that had gotten me so hurt in the first place. 
And I started training through the pain all my life since then. So I would ignore these injuries. I would ignore this pain. I would just train through it. I'd just forget about it. I'd you know say that it didn't matter or anything like that. And I wouldn't learn from the pain. I wouldn't start to allow it to be my teacher, so to speak. Because at the end of the day, pain is a signal that something is wrong. Either you're in danger or something is happening that shouldn't be happening or something isn't happening that needs to be happening in the body. So this is something that... I started to really dive deep into when I noticed the difference between what I thought was the problem, my back pain, and what the real problem was, which is a lack of self-care, love, and trust to the point where I wasn't trusting myself to say, okay, I should stop, or I wasn't caring for myself when I was hurt, or I didn't have the love for myself to just be like, hey, it's okay, you don't have to train. But instead, through a lot of uh, coping with beating myself up mentally and in my early life, self-loathing, I would train as a way of disciplining myself. I would train as a way of trying to overcome that which I, I was feeling bad about myself with. So I was using it with intentions that were rooted in delusion, according to our Zen Stoic intentions and delusions. Anyway, I that that's how I used to look at pain, but I started to allow it to become my teacher. I started to allow pain to, to show me parts of myself that I was afraid to get to know that I was afraid to interact with. And these are the parts of myself that was more so chill, that didn't need to be active all the time. And that's what I, that's part of what I got to know. One thing that I took from Stoicism that is really important is this idea of decatastrophizing the pain. And, and most of the time where we get hit with that second arrow, so to speak, like in the, the Buddhist metaphor there, is because we catastrophize our pain, we somehow attach it to our identity and start to look at our life in a more dramatic way than it actually is. Yes, we're hurt, but we're starting to say, oh, this is unbearable, and I'm not going to be able to do all the things I like, and I'm going to have to stay home and be super lame. And so We get dramatic about it. One thing that came out of an article from Ryan Holiday that I thought was good from the Daily Stoic is, when we're upset, we tend to make events seem more harmful or threatening. Cognitive therapists describe this as catastrophizing. The Stoics question how unbearable pain is by asking themselves whether they're capable of enduring worse. That, so that's the way that the Stoics would view pain, is that they would ask themselves, how unbearable is this pain really? Am I capable of enduring worse? And the answer is obviously yes, because if you weren't capable of enduring, enduring worse, you'd probably be dead from the pain. But sometimes when I look at the Stoic philosophy... I start to think that accepting the pain with a studied indifference, which is what the Stoics would teach, sometimes can lend itself to becoming a deterministic crutch outside of the bounds of our control. Now, what I mean by that is that if we look at the pain and we say, it's just pain, it'll pass, it's temporary, but we don't actually do anything about it, or we just accept it as is, and we don't take it as a signal to maybe pivot or change our strategy, sometimes we can start to begin to entertain this idea of determinism as a crutch in the sense that I have no control over this pain. This is just my life. This is who I am. I am a person with back pain. And when we get into that deterministic crutch, what we're starting to do is we're engaging in the delusion of expediency. The reason why that's expediency is because rather than having the discipline to look into it and to learn from it, what we're doing 
is we are just expediently labeling it and saying it's not in my control, so there's nothing I can do about it, and avoiding the discomfort of going into the unknown and learning and discovering what needs to be done with this pain. You could also argue that is an intention of control or delusion of control where you're slapping a label onto the thing by being by saying this is not in my control, you're using belief as a form of control or form of certainty for your own reality to confirm the less than preferable situation that you might be in with chronic pain. So that's a lot that's that's a long-winded way of saying that sometimes looking at your pain with just indifference can sometimes lend itself to you just allowing it to be a crutch in your life rather than something to be solved or something that is trying to give you a message. Now, stoicism helps to solve the problem of of not catastrophizing our pain and making it worse than it is from a mental and emotional standpoint, refraining from shooting ourselves with that second arrow like it's discussed in Buddhism. These are similar views, right? They're, they're looked at with studied indifference, with equanimity. You're not dramatizing the event of having pain, and that is all well and good. That's really important to be able to have, especially when you're dealing with your pain because if you are dramatizing it, you can't even get to this next step of what I'm going to talk about. If you're still in a dramatic state where you're, whole, where you're looking at this pain, and saying like this illness or this chronic condition that I have or this chronic pain or this injury that I'm experiencing. And you're, if you're looking at yourself as a victim, it's really difficult to actually hear the message of the pain, even more so than if you're indifferent. At least if you're indifferent, there's not a bunch of additional noise and drama going on in your mind that you have so there's a couple things that we can think about. So looking at pain with studied indifference can be helpful, but remember, th that viewpoint has its limits, and that will get you from the point of getting shot with the first arrow of your initial pain. It'll prevent you from shooting yourself with the second arrow, so that'll help you cross that bridge, and that is a great first step to not be dramatic or victimized about your own pain. That is a great first step in healing yourself, but it doesn't stop there. We need to continue. We can't simply use indifference all the way through. Otherwise, we ignore that which is in store for us. And one of the big problems that we face as humans in our society is that chronic pain affects over 1.5 billion people worldwide. And at least in the U.S. alone, costs $635 billion a year in lost work and medical treatments. It affects more people than cancer, heart disease, and stroke combined. So pain is a big problem that goes unaddressed. And one of the, the bigger problems that we face on a more meta level is chronic dissociation from our pain. So this idea of maybe being indifferent or pretending it's not there or distracting ourselves from it or constantly taking painkillers or having invasive treatments to fix our bodies in ways that limit us in other ways that will end up having a chain reaction causing more pain for us. It's obviously a problem. And there, there was a great TED Talk that I'll also have in the show notes here where it's called A Different Approach to Pain Management with Mindfulness Meditation by Fidel Zidane. And in this TED Talk, he talked about you know, some research that was done regarding mindfulness meditation and pain. So I'd say you begin with the, in the stoic indifference, the studied indifference, and then you would move on to mindfulness in the experience of the pain that you're, you're having. So one of the things that he had said in the TED Talk is that there was a study done where lifelong Zen meditation practitioners required a significantly higher level of pain stimulation to feel the same amount of pain to an age-matched non-meditator. So here's the interesting thing. 
it wasn't just indifference, but now there's mindfulness meditation as a practice. And it changes the perception of how somebody not only views their pain, but views everything unpleasant in life. So mindfulness meditation is a very powerful way to start to change your perception and your viewpoint on how you look at pain in the first place. And in that same experiment, in that same experiment, there were brain images on parts of the brain that experience and give meaning to pain, which were inactive in the Zen meditation practice practitioners and active in the non-meditators. So there's physical evidence that mindfulness has on our perception of pain. And a big part of how we heal from the pain is through our perception of pain and through changing that perception. So we want to remember that wearing your pain as a badge of honor or glorifying your suffering doesn't make you cool. It makes you a masochist. It's not the ideal way to go about it. And just bulldozing through the pain is not going to be a good strategy long term. It's not going to result in any kind of inner peace. And while it may make you look cool and badass like David Goggins, it's probably not the strategy that you want to use in order to live at the highest level of your contribution for your own life, for the life of those that you love, and for the people around you in your community. Now, what this experience has began to teach me is that, like I was mentioning before, pain can be a great teacher. There is a gift in pain that will allow us to be better. So ask yourself, what if your pain had a sacred message for you, one in which that would set you free if you were able to fully acknowledge it? Imagine what the world would be like if you were able to welcome your pain and negative emotion with presence and calm, knowing that it had something to give you a value, that there was an opportunity in it. Think of your pain as another obstacle. The obstacle is the way. The obstacle becomes the way. So we can learn from our pain, but we cannot simply be indifferent and passive about it. We must be indifferent to begin with, to prevent ourselves from over-dramatizing it, become mindful of it, and then begin to look at it as an opportunity, begin to look at it in a way that we can heal it. And remember, indifference may prevent excessive or unnecessary pain, but it is the self-love and compassion that allows you to recover from it. That self-love and compassion is born out of the first beginning to become mindful of what you are experiencing. So that brings us to the current methodology I'm using to address my back pain which is the Egoscue Method. So I've been reading this book, Pain-Free. He actually begins the book, and the first chapter is called Chronic Pain, The Modern Danger of Ignoring an Ancient Message. In this book, he talks about how drastic, highly invasive treatments for chronic pain conditions have become commonplace, and these treatments see the body's design as a re-engineering challenge. And because they see this as a re-engineering challenge, this is not necessarily using the obstacle as an opportunity, but this is actually trying to just eliminate the obstacle without the opportunity piece to it. The reason being is because when you think about the human body has what it needs to heal itself. It knows what to do to heal itself, but if we do not stimulate the body in the way that it needs to be stimulated, it will not activate that healing process, especially if we continually numb things away or if we only or if we pretend to ignore the pain that we're experiencing. So he then goes on to say, why then do such approaches provide no escape from chronic pain? I believe that truly being pain-free depends on rediscovery, not re-engineering. Chronic musculoskeletal pain is a form of high-priority communication. It warns us of impending danger. Something pain seems to be announcing is happening that shouldn't be happening. Identifying that 
that something is left to us, which is the problem. And the issue with that is that we don't have many obvious solutions. We go looking in the wrong direction. We think that our pain is wrong. We think we need to numb it away. We think we need to take a painkiller. We think we need a surgery to get rid of the pain. But the reality is, just like negative emotion, as we talked about at length on this podcast, there is a signal. There is something that is trying to be communicated to you by your body. And if we don't listen and we just try to judge it and cast it away, it's going to keep going. Remember, what you resist will persist. And the same thing goes with your physical pain. So one thing that... So going back to Stoic philosophy for a moment, one of the reasons why they were viewing pain as indifferent is because they looked at it as being an unpleasant physical sensation. And there is a separation when it comes to Stoicism from the mind and body. Now, this is one of the mistakes, or at least one of the mistakes that can be assumed for somebody reading Stoicism, is that your body is something separate from you. Now, there's a lot of philosophy that says that you are not the body and this and that, but at the end of the day, what I believe and what I've experienced and based on the studies that I've had with both Zen and Stoicism, as well as in my own experience, is that who you are is the totality of all things in which you are aware and that is that includes your body. If you look at yourself as an ego trapped inside a bag of skin and you start to see yourself as different from the body, then you're going to start to make that dissociation again. And maybe not action the pain that is trying to signal you something. So this part is where I start to disagree with the Stoic view on this and instead create a more updated view on this based on weaving in the stuff that Peter Gosky would talk about. So the Stoics would believe that the mind is of the highest good, the highest rational order, and that we need to focus on the mind and pursue virtue. And it is virtuous to become indifferent to the pain, which is temporary. Now, that is speaking to the sentiment of us having a higher purpose, which I agree with. I think human beings do have a higher purpose. But as Peter Gosky said here, we have a higher purpose, but physical movement, hand over hand, one foot in front of the other, is how we accomplish it. Meaning, it is not ideal, nor is it the most optimal strategy, to treat our bodies as a second-class citizen separate from our mind. That kind of gets the brunt of the treatment, and our mind is of the highest good. All of it works together in a non-dualistic way, mind and body. It is all one. We are not separate from this this is the present moment of who you are right now and you are in a body or you are a body or you have a body either way it's a non-dualistic experience it's not separated by ego trapped inside body so if we look at it like that and we look at our pain if we want to achieve our higher purpose it's important that we address our pain properly and so as i studied more of the agoski method and practiced it i read some articles and one of them was saying from peter Gosky, Simply alleviating pain by injecting a drug, replacing a joint, or resting an injury rarely corrects the underlying problem. He insists that most chronic joint-bearing disease, certain traumas, or genetic defect results from alignment problems. Until correct posture is restored, ailments will continue to occur. If not the same joint, then in another. If we understand pain and can truly interpret it properly, then the body responds, and it responds very rapidly. This is something that I've had the privilege to experience in doing some of these exercises that he prescribes. He then goes on to say, 
There was another orthopedic sports medicine doctor who went on to say posture correction techniques do have their merit. And this is the chief of orthopedic sports medicine at Georgetown University Hospital, where he goes on to say, you certainly do compensate to a large degree with your other joints when a single joint is affected. So when I think about the Agoski method and the place that it has in dealing with pain, to me, it's that third step, right? I begin with the indifference, detaching from the pain, preventing myself from dramatizing it and becoming a victim about it. I then become very mindful, begin to meditate on the pain. What does this pain mean? What is it trying to tell me in my own life? Me having this back pain helped me have a serious breakthrough when it came to my own self-love. I realized like I wasn't treating myself very well. I didn't care for myself. To I wasn't trusting myself whenever I had something genuine come up. And in caring for myself in this way and prioritizing the recovery of my back, it taught me to begin to love myself and has overall brought me more inner peace by doing so. So the mindfulness really helps and it helps to be the foundation, that precursor to love and compassion for yourself. Then the next part is addressing the pain. Now taking the necessary actions that are within my control to stimulate the parts of my body that have gone dormant and turned off and where other muscles have felt the need to make up for the inactive muscle. And I personally use the Agoski method. It's not a panacea. It's not the only way of doing things, but it is the method that I've used that has helped me substantially with this. So the idea here is that we want to remember that our pain has something to tell us. There are lessons we can learn, and the more we dissociate from it, the more we pretend that it's not there, or we ignore it, or we try to soothe it temporarily with painkillers and injections and surgeries and whatnot, the more dissociated we become from ourselves. If we start to view ourselves as separate from our body, that going into the whole spiritual notion of I am not my body and I'm a spirit having a human experience, these things I agree with. I do agree that you are not just your body. And yes, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. But if you start to make the dissociation and think of yourself as just this separate ego inside of a body, what you end up doing is you don't become as present to what's going on and the signals that you're actually feeling. You start to become disconnected from what you actually feel. And we want to pay attention to what we feel. Our emotions are trying to tell us something. Our pain is trying to tell us something. So we must remember that sometimes there is a gift in our pain. There's a gift that maybe we didn't realize. And a lot of these chronic pains and conditions that we experience often come from some kind of an emotional root, something that we have cast into the shadows of our mind and haven't addressed. We've resisted it, and thus it's persisted, and it's evolved within us. The idea when it comes to pain is to kill the monster while it's little. Address it right away. Don't simply overlook it. One of my good friends, one of the reasons I, I started taking this so seriously is that one of my good friends had disc issues and nerve issues just like me, but he was a little older than me. He had, he had several more years of this injury. and He had to get a, a highly invasive back surgery that put him out for six months. And what I can say from that example, it shows me that when you allow the monster 
of the pain, the negative thing, the dark thing, to get too big, it causes a lot of problems. If we just begin with addressing the obstacle as it comes up and using it as an opportunity to learn, to become better, to become stronger, rather than to find another crutch, it will ultimately benefit us and allow us to become more and more in touch with ourselves, more in touch with our own humanity. Remember, life's greatest gifts sometimes have the shittiest wrapping paper. Some of my most important lessons have come from the negative, the dark, the painful. But not when I tried to push them away. Not when I tried to immediately get rid of them. But when I had studied indifference, mindfulness, and action guided by love and compassion for myself, my body, and ultimately, my life. So if you've been suffering from any kind of chronic pain, physical or emotional, take a moment to detach from it. Become mindful of it. And figure out whatever it is that you need to do to address what is going on. Pain is not something that is permanent. It is temporary like the Stoics would talk about. But we mustn't resist it. We must address it as it comes up. Become present to it and take the necessary actions to bring ourselves from a state where our body or our mind is doing something that it shouldn't or when it's not doing something that it needs to be doing. And we address that with action. So ask yourself, what if your pain held a secret message for you? One that would set you free if you were able to fully acknowledge it and uncover it. Imagine what the world would look like to you if you were able to welcome pain and negative emotion with presence and calm, knowing that it had something to share with you.